can I just say again what a joy it is to, to be here. Um, it is a real, uh, real joy, real privilege to be here. Uh, and um, yeah, thank you so much uh, for having me. Uh, I'm just going to pray uh, again, just briefly. Um, so please do pray with me. Lord, please do be with me as I speak. Um, please do give us your spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, I wonder how many of us here uh, have watched one of those videos, um, usually on YouTube, where there's like a camera and it's like super zoomed in. Sometimes it's like inside an atom or something like that. And you see the electrons and protons and I'll leave it there because I'll mess it up. But it starts zooming out. And it starts zooming out, and you start seeing things, little things. And it keeps zooming out. And before you know it, you're seeing, like, houses. And it keeps zooming out. And before you know it, you're seeing, like, countries and then continents. And then if it keeps going, you see, like, the world. You see the earth, right? And then if it keeps going, you see the solar system. And then you see the galaxy. And then you see multiple galaxies. I'm not sure how many of you guys have, have seen that kind of a thing. And, and it's a helpful thing, it's a, it's a good thing to watch because it reminds you about the big picture. Right? It reminds you that actually we live in a specific time and place, but beyond that there's so much more. Right? It reminds you that yes, there are trees, but also there's a whole forest. And, and sometimes we can miss the forest for the trees. Sometimes we forget what the big picture is, what God's big picture is. And usually when we're in the Bible and you're looking at a text, you're really looking at a particular tree. You're looking at one particular truth, one part of what God has done. But then occasionally, the Bible kind of zooms out and you get something of the big picture. And Ephesians 1, 1 to 14, I think is the forest of forests, right? You've really, you've zoomed all the way out and you get to see just how expansive God's work is. And, and all of it's really summarized in the words of verse 3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Right. Often we, we talk a lot about blessing, right? We talk, you know, when we pray, we ask that God would bless us. We ask that God would bless other people. When someone sneezes, we say, God bless you. If you're on social media, right, we talk about blessing all the time on social media. You know, chilling on a beach in Dubai, hashtag holiday, hashtag blessed. Um, right? Or, you know, family picture, you know, me with my children and grandchildren, hashtag family, hashtag blessed. Right? We talk about blessing a lot, and, and, and these are blessings. A, a holiday is a blessing. A family is a blessing. But Paul here, uh, in Ephesians 1, 1 to 14, he's talking about a particular kind of blessing. He, he calls them spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. There, there's something about these blessings, as Paul zooms out, that's distinct, that's so precious, Right? There's something incredible about these blessings. And when Paul is taking us on this tour of these blessings, he gives us a kind of structure. 
so we can make our way through. Again, I'm sure many of us have been to one of those like great all-you-can-eat places. Like I love food. We all, everyone loves food, right? We all love food. I wonder the last time you went to one of those amazing all-you-can-eat places. I'm not talking about one of those places with like five options. I'm talking about like one of those places that's just like massive. One of those places like you, you actually, before you go and get stuff, you have to sit down and like plan like, What's the plan here? How am, I, how am I doing this? How am I going to balance everything on the plate? Well, here, again, in Ephesians 1, there's this incredible buffet of blessings. And so Paul kind of gives us a structure, a plan, a route, so that we can get some sense of just how amazing these spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. And so the structure that we see is kind of Trinitarian. In other words... We believe in a God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as Paul takes us through these spiritual blessings, he begins by talking about the blessings that are centered on the Father, and then the blessings that are centered on the Son, and then the blessings that are centered on the Spirit. And in each of these things, he shows us God's amazing grace through these amazing blessings that we receive. And so Paul begins by focusing on the blessings that come or are centered in the Father. Look with me from verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So when Paul zooms out, When Paul begins to describe these spiritual blessings, he begins with the blessing of the Father choosing us to be his children. And it makes sense that Paul begins here because in one sense, this is the beginning of all the blessings. This is the blessing from which all the other blessing flows. This choosing of the Father for us to be his children, that God chooses us. Uh, For those of us who are no longer in school, uh, secondary school, I want to take you back to being on the playground. It's lunchtime. (laughs) And you're about to play football or play some other kind of game. And you've been selected as the captain. Your job as a captain is to choose a team. And the way you choose the team is you choose the best players. Right? When you're the captain... You look around and you pick the best players. You don't just want anyone. You want the best players that are available. That's why typically the same players get picked first every lunch and the same players sadly get picked last every lunch because you pick the best. That happens in school, but that happens all the way through life. If you own a business and you're hiring, you look through the CVs and you don't just pick at random, you you pick the best CVs. You pick the people that have the most experience. You pick the people that maybe did the best when they were at school. You pick the most qualified people. And yet when Paul tells us about God's choice of us, that is not how God chooses. Again, verse 4, Paul says this choice happened before the creation of the world. Now, the reason why Paul is telling us this is because Paul wants us to know 
that God's choice of us, if you're here, you're a Christian, God's choice of us had nothing to do with our performance. God's choosing of us had nothing to do with some good thing that we had done. There was, there was nothing about us that is better than anyone else. God doesn't look through CVs to decide who will be his. He doesn't think through how talented we are. This choice has nothing to do with us. It's utterly undeserved. This blessing of God's choice, the Father's choice of us, is purely by God's grace. That's the thing that makes the spiritual blessing so outstanding. It's so gracious. There's nothing that we could earn about this blessing. There's nothing that we could deserve. There's nothing so fantastic about us. Nevertheless, God, before time begins, in his grace, he chooses us. And the blessing of this choice, or the purpose of this choice, is that we would be his children. That's what you see in verse 5. Sometimes we speak, even in the church, if we're not careful, we speak as if everyone is God, just everyone, all people are God's children. Right? You know, it doesn't matter, we're all just God's children, right? You know, you know the main thing is that, you know, it doesn't matter what we believe, doesn't matter any of those things, because we're all God's children. Sometimes we think that being God's child is something that happens by virtue only of creation. That simply the fact that we are human beings makes us God's children. But that's not the story that the Bible tells. The Bible tells us that we are not children just by nature. In fact, by nature, we are enemies of God. By nature, because of our sin, God is angry with us. The the natural state of play between us and God is one of enmity, is one of war. Being God's child isn't something by nature. It's a blessing that God gives. The only reason why any of us here could say that we are God's children is because God has a son, Jesus Christ, and by being united with him, we can have that blessing of adoption. We can know and speak to God as Father. And so it's not a small matter that when Christians, when we pray, and we say, our Father, that's no small thing. That's no ordinary thing. That's an incredible blessing because the Father in love has chosen us to be God's children. It's not a small thing that as we go through life and all of us say we'll have different challenges, we'll have all kinds of suffering, that we can know, again, if you're a Christian, you can know that your Father is working all things together for your good. That's no small thing That's something that happens because of this blessing that we have in the Son. It's no small thing that we know at any point we can go before the throne room of the King of Kings and present our request and know that he is disposed to give us what we ask for because we are his children. That's no small matter. That's an incredible blessing. And so when Paul talks about this great buffet of blessings, he begins with the blessing of the Father who chooses us for adoption as children. And that's incredible, but Paul doesn't end there. Paul moves on and he begins to focus on the blessings that are centered in the Son. You see that from verse 7. 
He says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And look, there's lots here, but the center of the blessing here, when Paul thinks and talks about this blessing that centers on Jesus, the Son, the center of it is the blessing of the forgiveness of sins. If we're Christians, we have the blessing of the forgiveness of sins. What that means is we have the blessing of knowing that our record of wrong is completely wiped away. Right? This is the blessing David speaks of, Psalm 32. Blessed is the person whose sin is wiped away, whose transgression is forgiven, is covered. Right? We, we live in a country like many other countries where the way the criminal justice system works is that if you commit a crime uh, and you're convicted, you're, you're found out for that crime, not only do you have to go to jail or do community service, but typically you also get a criminal record. And no matter what happens, no matter what else you do, no matter what good you go on to achieve, that criminal record sticks with you. It's part of you. Five years later, 10 years later, 20 years later. Every time you want to apply for a job, you have to tick that part of the form that speaks about having a record. In one sense, your life continues to be defined by it. You can't get away from it. You're constantly reminded of it. And that's true of the way justice works in this world. And yet the Bible says there's a greater justice to come, that one day every single person, all of us here, will stand before the God who made us, and he will stand before us as judge. And he's not just like a human judge, he's a judge who sees all, who knows all, and our record will be before him. And there's no way of talking our way out of it. We can't talk our way around the things that we have done, the wrong that we have done. And he isn't simply just going to pass over it. In fact, the Bible says that because of our wrong, because of the record of our wrong, we stand condemned before him and we are heading towards eternal judgment. And so some of us, we may not have criminal records here on this side of eternity, but before God... Each one of us has a record. And each one of us ordinarily is facing judgment. And yet God, because of his amazing grace, he gives us his son. And through his son, that record can be wiped away. Jesus Christ provides the opportunity for this record of wrong and the judgment that it deserves to be completely wiped away. And he does that through his own death, right? Verse 7, this is not a cheap thing. It, costs, it requires blood. Right? It requires death. 
The amazing grace of God means that Jesus Christ comes and he dies in our place so that by trusting in him, our record of wrong is wiped clean. This amazing grace means that we have the blessing of knowing that when we stand before God on that final day for trusting in Jesus, that we will not be condemned. And it's an incredible blessing. If you have all other blessings and you don't have this blessing, it's kind of like trying to just enjoy your final few days knowing that you're about to go to jail. But all other blessings are meaningless if you do not have this blessing. But if you're a Christian, you can know that you have this blessing. Blessed is the person whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, and that blessing comes to us in and through Jesus Christ. And that's amazing grace. Finally, then, Paul focuses on the amazing blessing of the Holy Spirit. Look with me from verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. The blessing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Most of us are probably familiar with the process of buying a house. Either you've bought a house or you've thought about buying a house, or you've heard about other people buying a house. And typically, if you're buying a house, or really, this is true of many kind of expensive things, the way it works is you have to pay a deposit. So you pay a deposit, and the deposit is a way of kind of guaranteeing that until you pay off the rest. And here Paul tells us that the great blessing of the Spirit is that he is the deposit. That the Holy Spirit, God gives us the Holy Spirit as a deposit. And there's two ways that this shows us just how amazing God's grace is. Firstly, the fact that the Spirit is a deposit, that we have the Holy Spirit in us as God's deposit, firstly, it shows us that God will keep us to the very end. That when God makes us his children, God guarantees us that as his children, we will make it to the end and we will inherit all that God has for us. So so the point of a deposit It's meant to guarantee that you're going to finish paying off the rest. When you pay a deposit, it's meant to ensure that actually, not only are you paying this, but actually you're going to finish paying everything else. But with us, it doesn't always work that way, right? It's not always that way. You might pay a deposit. You might see something like, I don't know, you see this amazing couch that you want to buy. And you pay the deposit because you're intending to, to, to buy it. But life happens, cost of living crisis, right? You run out of money and you can't actually finish paying it off. So you pay the deposit with all intention to finish paying it off, but life happened and you just couldn't, right? Other times you might pay a deposit for something. You really want to buy something, but then there's some new information you gain about it and you realize, actually, I don't want that anymore. Sometimes maybe you you might even pay a deposit with actually just no intention at all of even really getting it. And that might be true of us, but none of those things are true of God. When God pays a deposit, 
There's no chance whatsoever that God is going to run out of grace. When God in his grace chooses us and adopts us as his children, it's not as if there's a certain amount of grace that he does in that, and somehow we're just so sinful and there's just not enough grace, so he just can't finish paying off. No, God is the God of infinite grace. He's the God of all grace. And so when God begins that work in us, he brings it to completion. God is the God who, who knows all things. He knows the end from the beginning. There's never a chance that he's going to think, oh, no, I made a mistake with this person. Or I made a mistake with that person. No, when God saves us and he gives us his spirit as the deposit, it guarantees that when he begins the work, he's going to bring that work to the end. And God isn't like us. He doesn't lie. He doesn't give us a deposit with no intention of bringing it about. No, in all things, when God begins the work, he ends it. And all of this is different ways of saying that when God gives a deposit, you can take it to the bank. When God gives us his spirit, part of the blessing of the spirit is that by having the spirit, we know that God is going to bring us to the very end. Through all the various circumstances and difficulties that all of us are facing, through the challenges that we may never have expected, through our own struggles with sin, you can be sure, because you have the Spirit, that God, who gives us the Spirit, will also carry us all the way to the very end. So the deposit is this amazing blessing. The Spirit is this amazing blessing because the Spirit reminds us that God is faithful. But secondly, the Spirit as a deposit is such an amazing blessing because the Spirit reminds us that for all that we have now and all the great blessings that Christians enjoy now, it's only a small part compared to what God has in store for us. The deposit is an incredible thing, but the deposit isn't the house, right? The deposit is part of the house. Right now, we have the blessing of having God's Spirit dwell in us. We have incredible blessings even now. But all the blessings we have now are simply a foretaste of what God has in store for those that love him. So right now, we can speak to, if you're a Christian, you can speak to God as Father in prayer. Right now, you can have the assurance of knowing that your sins are forgiven. Right, right now, we have a kind of communion with God. But the Holy Spirit is pointing us to that day when we will stand with God face to face. Where we'll be with God without sin getting in the way. When we will have glorified bodies, where there's no more death in the world, where there's no more mourning, right? Where there is nothing to get in between our love and our adoration for the God who saved us. Right now we have incredible blessing, but the Spirit reminds us one of the blessings of the Spirit is that he lifts our eyes to look ahead and to think of all that God has for us, all, all that God has for those who are trusting in his Son. And so in this passage, what Paul does, again, he zooms out to see, so that we see God's great plan of salvation, all these incredible spiritual blessings that we have in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet what difference should that make to our lives? Firstly, if you're here today and you're not trusting in Jesus Christ, what I want you to see is that all those spiritual blessings 
are found in Jesus Christ. I'm not sure if you noticed that, but when you read this passage, again and again it says, in Christ, in Christ, in him, in him, in him, in him. It's, there's a Trinitarian structure. It's about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But even all the way through that, it keeps telling you all of these things are found in Christ. Right? Praise be to God who has blessed us in Christ. Every spiritual blessing is found in Christ. But that also therefore means that there is no spiritual blessing found outside of Christ. If you're here today and you're not trusting in Jesus Christ, you may have lots of material blessings. You may be here and have a wonderful job. You might be here and have a wonderful family. You might go on incredible holidays. You might just enjoy just the blessing of good weather and friendship and all wonderful blessings and these are blessings and they come from God but if you want spiritual blessing if you want the blessing that Paul is talking about here all of those blessings all of them are found in Christ and that means you can have all of that by coming to Jesus by trusting in Jesus. If you have Jesus, then you have God as Father. If you have Jesus, then you have the forgiveness of sins. You know that when you stand before God, God will declare you innocent before him. To have Jesus is to have the Holy Spirit, to know that you have an inheritance waiting for you. To have Jesus is to have every spiritual blessing. And so if you're here and you're not in Jesus, if you're not trusting in Jesus, my plea to you is to put your faith in Jesus. Jesus came to this earth and died and rose again so that you might have every spiritual blessing in him. Right? The most glorious blessings that this world could ever know are available to you and they're available to you in Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you are trusting in Jesus Christ, this passage is written so that we might praise God's amazing grace. We said there's basically three sections that focus on the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And at the end of each section, Paul tells us what this is all about. You see verse in the end of verse 6. He tells us about the blessing of the Father and he ends by saying, to the praise of his glorious grace. And then in verse 12, after the second section, talking about the Son, he says, to the praise of his glory. And then in verse 14, he tells us about the, the blessing of the Spirit. And then he says, again, to the praise of his glory. So when, in this passage, when Paul zooms out and has us look at all that God has done, he tells us the goal of this, the reason why we are seeing all of this, is that we might praise God's amazing grace. That we might praise, we might see and behold God's amazing glory and give him praise. We might see just how gracious God is. Again, all of these blessings, every single one of them have nothing to do with what we earn or what we merit or what we deserve. All of these blessings are to do with the fact that God is just so kind and God is just so gracious. And so God has given us this passage so that we look at it and we look and we marvel and we praise God because of his amazing grace, right? When we look and we think of these spiritual blessings that begin before time, as the Father chooses us, 
and enters into time when the Son of God comes and dies so that we might have the forgiveness of sin and the blessing of the Spirit that points us to the eternity and eternal life with Him. When we look at that, we praise Him. When we think of the fact that in God, that God in His great mercy and kindness, He selects us and He saves us and He seals us. When we think of that, and we just even get some sense of that, the only response to that is praise. That's why as Christians we praise. That's why we rejoice as we sang earlier. That's why even when the blessings of this world seem to be taken away and we're in a pandemic that's seemingly never ending and we can't do lots of the things that we would love to do and lots of the other things that we enjoy, we don't have. That's why even in those times we are people that are full of praise because we have every spiritual blessing found in Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, I I want you to be encouraged. You have everything in Christ. If God himself wanted to give you another spiritual blessing, he could not because all spiritual blessings he's already given to you in Jesus. And that's incredible. Look, primarily, our response to this isn't just make sure you read your Bible more or make sure you pray more. Do that, right? I don't want to get in trouble with uh, Pastor Mike. Like, do that. Please do that. But the point here, the reason why this is here, and really the reason for all of God's salvation is praise. Because when we stand with God in the new heavens and the new earth, and there's no more preaching, and there's no more evangelism, and in fact there's no more Bible reading, what what we will be left with is praise because of God's amazing grace. And for all of eternity, we will never stop being amazed by God's amazing grace. And church, when we've been there 10,000 years, shining as the sun, we'll no less days to sing God's amazing grace than when we first began. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your amazing grace. We thank you how you have given us all things in your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we can only just dip our toe in the ocean of this incredible blessing. Lord, we know for all eternity we will be gazing at this and we will never come to reaching a full end of just how amazing this grace is. But Lord, I pray that you would give us some sense of it now. And our prayer is that, Lord, if there's anyone here who does not have these spiritual blessings because they are not trusting in Jesus, Lord, I pray you would open their eyes even now. You would cause them to put their faith in your son, Jesus Christ, and find all these blessings in him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.